You're listening to Biz Quick. This is where Julie and Corey provide quick and useful information to small business owners. Biz Quick is the podcast where small business owners get to showcase their businesses and receive expert advice and guidance in areas many entrepreneurs struggle with. And you, the listener, get solutions, tips, and tricks on real-world topics that many small business owners face. Julie and Corey are the experts small businesses hire when they need solutions. And the BizQuick podcast is just one way they deliver those solutions. Let's start the show. Hello and welcome to BizQuick. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And on today's show, we have Charles Johnson out of Jacksonville, Florida. He's a web designer, a speaker, a marketer, and a consultant. He's a self-described digital ninja and caffeine addict. Looking forward to talking to him. But before we bring him in, we're going to spend a little bit of time chatting about websites and their relevance and importance in 2021. Yeah, it's a interesting thing. And we were chatting about this before the podcast, and I immediately started questioning my age uh, <laughs> <laughs> when it came to it, because I was thinking, uh, you know, along the lines of like, it's how important it is to have a, a smooth, well-developed it doesn't have to be fancy or, or, you know, crazy integrations or anything like that, but it has to be, it looks like, it has to look like it came from this decade. And you kind of, you didn't really push back, but you question, you're like, is that really important? And I'm like, well, maybe it's not. I don't know now. Like thinking about, cause like for me, like the first thing I do is I check out uh, a, a company's website. If I, if I don't know anything about them, I go to the website. If the website's shit, then I don't want to, I, you know, I, I immediately get a, an opinion about the company that may be incorrect. And it's like, like I said earlier before the podcast, it's like when you go to a restaurant and you, you see like, and you walk in the bathroom and the bathroom's gross, you immediately wonder how gross the kitchen is. Yep. So what's interesting is I actually thought that you were going to say that you didn't think that they were important, that websites were as important as they used to be. And I was kind of in agreement with that because I was thinking of this, like so many times you can, so often now you can find out information about a business through social media, right? So you, you know, most businesses have a Facebook page or they have a LinkedIn page and they have a business account on Instagram. So the website is less important, I feel like, than it used to be. But I will say this. When you pull up a website and it looks like it was designed in 1998, I have some feelings about that, Yeah. right? Like, I'm like, oh, I don't know that I want to give my person this business, right? There's that little baby in the diaper dancing gif on there that was so popular in <laughs> 2001. I forgot about that. Yeah, or when you think about, I, I just think about, you know, can you remember what Yahoo looked like when it first came out and it was literally just like all these links? And there was really no images or anything. You still see websites that look like that, but I think actually worse than a horrible or a bad design or bad aesthetics is websites that aren't updated with content. So you've got a blog and the last blog you wrote was in, you know, 2011. And it's like, just take it down, dude. Just take yeah. it down. Yeah, I would agree. And, and the, the utilitarian in me appreciates a website that's just information. Yes. That's, I look at that and say, great. I don't want to look at pictures. I don't care what your dog looks like. I'm just trying to find out how to contact you. Yeah. I don't need to sort through all of that. The one thing that I do hate is 
every company website and teams out there has an app and you get a little pop-up. It's better in the app. Why not try downloading the app? And I'll, I can do everything that I need to do on the website. That's why I went to your website. I don't need to download yet another app to my phone in order to, I can just do it all on the website. How about that? How about you just let me do what I want to do? Yeah. And I'm, I'm about to take a sidestep here, but am I the only person who forgets like all the apps that I have on my phone? Oh, no. And I'm like, Oh, Oh yeah, that's right. I have that app. I, Cause I think, I think statistically we only use like, like it's less than 10% of the apps that are on our phones. So we use regularly. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the thing. It's like, I don't, when I was traveling all the time, I would use the, the airline app, the hotel app, the, mm-hmm. the car uh, rental app, because I was at, at least twice a week when I'm checking in, checking out, I was using all of those. Yep. Uh, and it's convenient, especially with flights, with having the boarding pass right there. But if I'm logging into, uh, I don't know. Dick's just, Sporting Goods. Yeah, I don't need an app for that. Like, I, I, it, all of the information I need is on your website. I'm going to your website anyways. And it, it's just because you can make an app doesn't need, doesn't mean you need to make an app. Yeah, yeah. So back to the website, though. What is the, from a, from a functionality perspective or like, let's just be a little judgy here. What's the number one thing that you consider to be a necessity on a website for it to have good functional design for you? I think that the good, good navigation. So the, the, every website and I don't like people want to come across as, Oh, we're going to try something new or whatever. No, I should be able to, like, I know if I click on your logo at the top, that should take me to your homepage. (laughs) And everybody should know that. Uh, Yes. Yes, they should. But you have the contact info. Like you have a way to contact easily contact, not pull up some sort of, Oh, do you want to chat with our bot first or whatever? No, give me, if you want to redirect me to some email account, that's not checked, but every five days or whatever, that's fine. Give me some way to contact you. Mm. You're selling a service. Don't make it hard. I don't want to have to dig through like 18 different links. I don't want to find your site map to find your contact. Exactly. Yeah. So good navigation is really important to me. Um, I will tell you, and I know this is going to shock you, Corey. I finally found something about first form that I dislike. Wow. The company that I love for their customer service, when you are on their website, oh, this drives me bananas. So land on their website, and then I'm going to look at products, right? So I just use a drop down to find products. And let's just say that I want to look at like protein powders, right? So then I go to the protein powders, and I'm on the product page for protein powders that list like, I don't know, five different pro- protein powder options, right? immediately the chat bubble comes up. Hey, how can I help you? Right. I'm like, you can't. So I like close it. And then I'm like, Ooh, what does this protein powder do? And I click on that protein powder and I go to the page. What do you think happens immediately? Oh yeah. That chat box comes right back up. You cannot disable it. It is every, it doesn't matter what you do. Every time you click on a page, you get the chat box. I could click on expand this description chat box comes up. I get so annoyed. I'm like, I don't need to chat with you. Well, it sounds like the company that's good with customer service. Maybe you should send them some feedback. I'm going to, but I thought about doing that. It was like Clippy and Excel back in 2003. <laughs> oh God, remember Clippy and then the dog? <laughs> yeah, a little bastard would pop up. No, I don't want any help Clippy. Get out of here. <laughs> That's um, right. I forgot about Clippy, but oh man, that's funny. And then it wasn't Clippy replaced by a dog. I don't know. 
uh, they got eventually got rid of it. But the one thing before we wrap up, I just realized one thing I hate is when you go to a website and it, it looks like it's finished loading, but then it like shifts around because QuickBooks does this to me and I fall for it about 50% of the time when I log into QuickBooks, I, I, it, the screen pops up and there's the menu bar there. And I go to, I want to go QuickBooks and I have to hit the drop down to go QuickBooks online. And as soon as I hit that drop down, the screen shifts and everything moves up because whatever banner was up there decides that, you know, after 10 seconds or something, it, it hides. And, and I inevitably click on the wrong thing and it sends me to the wrong page. Again, it's, that's 18 seconds out of my life in total, but it's just annoying. Yep. When the page loads, it should just load. Be done with done. it. Be done All with right. it. Yeah, that happens to me on a, on a couple of websites as well. All right. Well, let's take a quick break and then bring Charles in. We wanted to take a quick break to tell you about our newest course called Time Bomb. If you're ready to take control of your calendar, this course is for you. We guide you through all the steps you need to understand where you're spending your time, what your time is worth, and how to build out your days and weeks so that you can add more value to your business or just spend that time enjoying life. We have three options for you. The course, a bundle which includes products designed to help you become more efficient with your time, and a boot camp where you'll get time in a small group setting to get the personalized help you need. Head on over to sbpace.com to learn more. Time Bomb. Take control of your calendar, gain control of your life. All right, welcome back. We have Charles Johnson of Heartwired Digital Solutions with us. Welcome to the show, Charles. We're happy to have you here. Thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Let's go ahead and just start off with um, uh, telling our guests, or, or the guests, you're the guest, telling our listeners what it is that <laughs> what it is that you do, because digital solutions could mean a lot of things to a lot of people. I, I actually, uh, as far as digital solutions, originally we started out ma mainly web design um, was our first focus. And then we've, as needs have grown, we span anything from logo design to graphic design to email marketing. Um, we even do print media, business cards, stuff like that, um, all the way to social media management. Anything that has to do with your brand, really, um, we can handle uh, here at Heartwired. Because we now, are, versus just being focused on only websites, we try to provide a full package for everybody. Great. So the the print media that's definitely going going out of style. It is, um, but we still get requests. Um, usually, it's business cards, letterhead, stuff like that. Um, but even business cards are going digital. Um, yeah. I, I I mean, yeah, I carry a paper one, but I also have one on my phone. I've carried a, a, an RF card that's actually, you know, where you can just scan it with your phone. And, and that's the way that really the market's going. But we still provide those services because there's still some people that want, you know, a tangible product. Now, I always felt when I was even the, I mean, this was 10 years ago and, and any like people just handing out business cards is like, hey, you throw this away for me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't need this. I already have your email address. I know how to get in contact. With right. You. Right. <laughs> and, and see, I, I, I have an app on my phone that I scan business cards and it goes straight into my CRM. Therefore I don't have to worry about, you know, coming home with a box full of business cards that go nowhere. I yeah. automatically, you know, put them right into my CRM and therefore they're there whenever I need them. Nice. Yeah, that's nice. So on the, um, those are a lot of nice complimentary products or offerings, right? With the web design, logo, the graphics, email marketing, um, and everything around branding. Do you typically um, find that when you start offering one service to clients, you're sort of expanding to all of them or are you is, some, is one area far more popular than others? Um, I mean, web is still our biggest seller um, because people are 
I mean, a lot of them are looking for a, a refreshed brand or whatever the case may be, and therefore it's a redesign, but they already have a logo. Um, the brand identity and graphic design and all that came out of client need, um, where clients were coming to us and they really, most of our, our clients are startups or entrepreneurs and they have no clue what they need. And instead of sending it out, you know, elsewhere, we figured, you know, it makes more sense to try and bring it all into one place where it's a uniform brand, where it doesn't get saturated, doesn't get diluted when you're starting to send it to third parties. Sure. And that's really a smart way to do it too, right? You let the market tell you what they needed, and then you created a solution for that need, which is honestly the best way to get business. That's the, Absolutely. That's the smartest way to do it. What is uh, nowadays that we're... Uh, ever more so being pushed to digital. What's like the, the biggest uh, request that you have from your, your customers and clients? Um, right now it's e-commerce, obviously. People are looking to find a way to sell their products online. Um, and some of them are creating products to sell online because they're trying to find you know a, a niche that they fit into. And a lot of our clients are, you know, they used to have a brick and mortar and they don't anymore, or they don't have the employees coming in, they don't have the clientele coming in. Um, same thing goes for restaurants where restaurants didn't, you know, they, they originally had, you know, a basic website. Now they need a way to actually have, you know, take orders online and things of that nature. And we have a lot of those kind of requests. Um, another big sector that's actually been pretty big for us recently has actually been the nonprofit sector, which is kind of nice for us because that's where we're based out of. Um, we originated because we wanted to help nonprofits and we have seen an escalation in people wanting to do more within their own communities and forming brand new nonprofits, which is kind of interesting because the donor dollars are a little weird because everybody's virtual now versus having those big um, galas and things like that nature. And so they, they're trying to come up with creative ways to do the fundraising. And a lot of that has to do with like online um, auctions and things of that nature. And so we're able to provide them a space for that, which they wouldn't normally have. Well, that's really nice to hear too, that the nonprofit sector is picking up. Um, I guess I, I was thinking, as you were talking about it, I was trying to think through if I was surprised to hear that or not. And I know, I know I, I see a lot more um, people wanting to do, um, you know, more generous things for other people, but I guess I hadn't really thought about it from a business perspective of what things have picked up. So that's good to hear. Yeah, because I mean, they really, they got hammered just like everybody else did um, beginning of 2020. Um, but now you can see just statistically that there is definitely an uptick um, and just request of people that are looking to start, you know, a 501c because they already have a, a small business or something like that, but they want to do something that gives, gives back to their own community because they see a need. And in this day and age, there's so many needs that are out there that that were have been exposed because people are now sitting at home and, and having the opportunity to, you know, see what their neighbor's going through versus, you know, being in an office all day. And so it's, they're looking for ways to help in their own community. Are you seeing uh, an actual increase or interest in these, the, like the online galas or meetings and stuff like that? Because like Julie and I, we host a, uh, a, a study club once a month for a, a group of dentists here in the Richmond area. And uh, my brother's a part of it. And, and, he just talking to him about that. And he said that, you know, as uh, there's probably like two to three times as many people who are interested in uh, joining the club, but they don't want to do it until it's in person again. In person. They, they just, everybody's been zoomed out. Right. I mean, and, and, I, and I don't say just zoom and obviously it's other networks, two teams and all the other, they just, they're tired of that, you know, staring at a computer screen. And so they are looking forward to that, that, 
physical interaction and actually be able to meet in person. But a lot of communities aren't ready for that, um, whether it's for legal reasons or you know beliefs or whatever the case may be. And so they're looking for alternatives. And so there is still an uptick on the auctions. Um, I was just talking to somebody today that they're looking to do an auction in June because they don't know if they'll be able to. It's not that they won't be able to in June. They want to make sure that they have the time and to get things planned and whatnot in the case that they're not able to do it in June. They want to have that op option. Um, and so there is still an uptake because there's so much uncertainty. Um, and, but that being said, like I'm part of the local Jacksonville chamber and we are chomping at the bit to go back to in-person meetings. And we had our, our first real in-person one a couple of weeks ago where there was, you know, a, a legitimate number of people and it was fantastic. And you could tell that most of these people hadn't been out of their house in a year. And it, <laughs> and it was just, it was just a different conversation than you've had because we, you know, even an introvert like myself was excited to actually have, you know, that face-to-face -face interaction. And that's, that's where things are, are changing because people are tired. They're, they're tired of being forced into a computer screen. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to tell you though, um, I think the only thing that I might be more tired of than being doing Zoom meetings is talking about COVID. So. Agreed. <laughs> and, but yeah, and I think that everybody, I, regardless and, and without getting into any kind of like science or politics or whatever, but just my own personal observations, like I belong to a group and I don't want to throw anybody under the uh, table here. So I'm not going to mention the name of the group, but, uh, but for legal reasons, every time that we have any kind of in-person meeting or whatever that, you know, we have to socially distance, put on masks, all that. Uh, but as soon as you get there, uh, legally, everybody has them on, but as soon as they're like, okay, master off, yep. it's just, you know, like nobody, it, like, it, nobody cares. And the whole rule of wear a mask until you sit down, but then do you really put it back on when you get up from your table? I mean, most yeah, exactly. people don't. I mean, <laughs> Exactly. All right. I want to shift gears a little bit here mm -hmm. and I want to talk about websites, right? So okay. um, before we brought you in, uh, Corey and I were having a conversation about websites and it was interesting because he had asked me, do you think that website, websites are as important today as they used to be, you know, five or 10 years ago, or do they still have that same relevance, right? And I think that was how you phrased the question. Yeah, and we were talking about how social media has taken over some of that and apps as well. Apps are a big part of how people interact with companies, so. Yeah, so we were just kind of curious for your thoughts on the importance of um, websites and like the, the relevance today, given the other options that are available, do you, are they kind of being replaced or not in your opinion? Um, and, I, and I actually get asked this question quite often, uh, especially when it comes to social media, because people think, well, well, I can do my business on social media and I can do it for free, right? But you, I mean, and you can, but you don't own anything on social media. Right on. And they can put they can put you out of business tomorrow if they don't like something you posted and you are out of business. When you have a website, you actually own your website. You own everything that's about it. When we design something for you, it's your intellectual property. We hand it over to you and it is yours to do with what you will. On uh, social media, that's not the case. Obviously, we have so many situations where, you know, business as, as well as personalities get shut down because they tweeted something incorrectly or whatever the case or something they didn't like, or they posted something on Facebook that, you know, is against their regulations. And so I think you need to have a blend. Absolutely. But I don't think you need to put all your eggs in one basket. Um, and when you go into apps, a lot of the apps that are out there are really a website. 
right? That they just reformatted into an icon to make it look like an app. Um, but the, the code behind it is very similar, if not this, exactly the same. And a lot of websites, you know, that you, that you or apps that you go to are truly just a mobile website. Um, and so I don't think it's really being replaced. And I think that, you know, your business, your website is just the doormat to your business. It is the, the way that people enter and see and learn everything about what you do. And that includes your social media. That includes if you have an app that should all be housed on your website and point to the other places, as well as having those other places point back to your website. But your website itself should be the main um, point of contact that you send people to. I mean, you don't, you don't, I mean, yeah, people put social media on their, on their business cards, but more than likely they're going to look at your website before they actually purchase from you. They may look at your business card, your, your social media on there to see what kind of person, whether or not they want to do business with you, but they'll go to your website to actually make the order more than likely. And I think that's a, a great point. Like when you said it's the, the doormat, it's that first impression oftentimes, especially if you're, if, if you're a, a product or, or service that people are going to search on, on the internet and find you. Um, and it's, definitely one of those things for me where I get I can I get easily turned off if I go to a website and it looks like it was an afterthought or they haven't updated it in a decade or <laughs> yep. whatever it is um, so that that's one of those things that for me but again I like b- before you you came on the show we were talking and I was like well I don't know does that make me dated like is that an outdated notion wanting to have a, a, a good website yeah. no and and I say that because I, I mean there's been obviously different trains of thought on this and people are saying, well, websites are, are dead, they're, they're going away, but I don't think they're really ever going to go away um, because none of the other ones actually replaced what you can do on a website um, be, where you can collect data, you can actually get analytics, you can get the traffic and you can do sales and you can do everything in one place and you own it versus somebody else. I mean, I mean, yeah, sure, you can get, you can anal- get analytics from Facebook well for the next three months or whatever the case may be, because they're shutting that portion down. Um, and you can get analytics from Google, but without having them somewhere to go, it's, it's useless information. And it also really garners how you can determine who your client is too, um, because that you really want to drive, you know, where people are coming from, who, who your client is. Um, and all of that is driven by how they got there. Well, let's jump into apps then because okay. you said that they could be or oftentimes they're just the mobile website or or they're mm-hmm. essentially this website is there value in developing an actual app um it depends on your product in my opinion depends on what you're selling um if you're was obviously if you're creating a social media obviously yes there, there there's value in it if you're a musician, something like that, possibly. Uh, and I say that because I, I was speaking with a musician yesterday, actually, and he, he was curious about, you know, what it would be to have an app versus his website. And I was having that conversation with him. Um, if you're a, a business, sometimes restaurants, yes. I think an app can help um, because people, you know, want to be able to do things on the fly and be able to just do it right then versus having to go to Google and search for you, that kind of thing. Um, and the, the caveat to that is, do you want to put the expense into creating an app and a website? And, and I don't think you really should be making a decision of an app instead of a website. It should, you should be a, a website plus an app, potentially. Um, and then obviously there's, there's cost involved in both of them. Um, and same thing with the website, you got to make sure that the code base is up to date and, and works correctly because 
frameworks such as Apple and Google and whatnot, they're going to change the way that they work all the time. And so you could have a perfect app today and a terrible app tomorrow if they decided to change code base somewhere. That's a good point because it does change. Apple feels like they are updating like every week. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I get so yeah. tired of updating apps. It's like, yeah, I I'm, and, and and most of those apps and and to, to explain why you have to do those updates is because generally there's been not necessarily anything that was done to your app but done to the framework itself that made it where they had to do a fix on the app and usually there's security breach security fixes and things of that nature or sometimes it's an accessibility fix or something like that and that's why you're constantly having to do, do updates and that's assuming that the development actually is sticking around to do the updates because it's the other caveat of getting an app you get it developed and then your team that goes away you have no one to support it yeah speaking of cost and i know that it, it cost can be a, a very very like you can have a wide array a, a large range that people could spend on something but that's i know that's something that is prohibitive to some people and that that they get often get a sticker shock when it comes mm -hmm. to looking at cost. Um, is there any kind of guidance? Uh, and I, again, I know that it's it's a very vague question because it could like depends. Everything depends upon how complicated the website is or the app or whatever it is. But any kind of guidance that you could give people when it comes to trying to figure out whether or not they're they're spending their money correctly. Um, the the best guidance I can suggest is donate donate and calculate the the cost of the website calculate the cost of the time that it's actually going to save you and the headache that it's going to save you by allowing somebody else to do it. Because a lot of times people get frustrated. They, they think they can create a website and I'm not going to name names, but there's, you know, out of the box website builders that are out there and they'll get, you know, 75% down the road of, of creating one. And then they get frustrated. Right. And that frustration costs money because it's time that you're trying to figure out how to do things. Um, and that's usually where we come in is we come in and fix a lot of those problems where you, you hired your cousin or you hired the cheap way to do it um, or you decided to do it yourself um, and you just finally throw in the towel because I see it as you're an expert in what you do. We're an expert in what we do. I would rather pay an expert to do, to, well, for example, I pay an expert to mow my, my yard. It's not that I can't mow my yard. I just would prefer to have somebody else do it and save me the time and, the, and the, the effort of having to do it myself. And he does it much better for actually what would be less than what I would do it for. Um, that being said, you, if you go on our website, currently we have no prices on there. Um, and because we treat every single person differently and we customize our pricing depending on need. Um, I, I'm kind of torn on the whole pricing model because you generally get what you pay for, but that doesn't mean you should have to be the most expensive person in the room. I mean, you doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're the cheapest person in the room. If you're in the middle, that's usually where to go. Um, sure, you can buy a website for 500 bucks. I just wouldn't do it, but I mean, you could. Um, but then you can pay, you know, spend tens of thousands of dollars on a website. It all depends on what your budget and what your need is. And also keep in mind, whenever you're going into a website, that you can always add on to it. It's not, you don't have to buy it all at once necessarily. And a lot of, there's a lot of companies out there. They want to sell you all the bells and whistles and, and charge you a, an astronomical fee, which causes that sticker shot that you mentioned, but it doesn't mean you have to have it all at once. And a lot of people think that they do. And especially with like who we work with, with startups and entrepreneurs, they don't have the budget to buy that kind of website, but they might in two years. And so you can build on it and that kind of thing. Yep. As long as you have the right foundation, 
there from the beginning, it just makes yep. it easier to add on. And that's, that's a lot of what we talk to our clients about in terms of like building their business is get a solid foundation so that it's easy to scale and grow down the road. Well, yeah, and, exactly. And, and if you're building out, let's say the requirements for the website, it's knowing that you might want to do this two years down the road, so, but you don't want to hamstring yourself now, you know, by going the cheap route, because you might be like, oh, well, might yeah. have to pay a little bit more because so I can get this add on later. But yeah. Yeah, that's well, and, and that's like when you get into some of the the out of the box builders and whatnot that the integrations that they have off that they have available just are not there, right? And so you could build this glamorous website, but then you know two years you want to add another feature, and then end up having to buy it buy a whole brand new website because it doesn't have that application even available to you. And so it, it does help to have that conversation with whoever your developer or, or designer is up front, even if it's not something you want to do now. Say. You know, a couple of years from now, I may want to add this. Can it do that? And make sure that you have that conversation up front so you're not, you know, stuck holding the bag and having to buy a brand new website in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. And in my case, you become intimately aware with how capable you are with Zapier. Um. <laughs> yes. There you go. I feel like that from a website builder perspective, we might be talking about something that rhymes with faux Maddie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. That's yeah. just a hunch I have, but yeah. Um, well, we probably need to start wrapping up, but before we do, I know I have one last question. I don't know, Corey, do you have any more questions? No. I want to talk about your caffeine addiction. Okay. Because I mean, we talked about that at the front of the podcast where, you know, we said you were a self-described caffeine addict. So let's talk about that because I too love caffeine. So I feel like this is something we can really bond over. Well, I, I grew up, um, in Jacksonville, Florida, um, Maxwell House, right down the street, downtown, where you smell coffee roasting in the morning, especially on a cloudy day. And so I got to where I actually liked the smell of coffee, right, at a very young age. And I probably, I was probably in college when I first started actually drinking real coffee. And I say real coffee, not the stuff that you know you you buy in the grocery store, but actually stuff that you would get curated from somebody. And I started to realize that I actually enjoyed the taste of coffee. Um, and there's so many different blends. There's so many different um, fruits and chocolates and all kinds of hints of different flavors that you can get it, depending on where you get it around the world. Um, and I've actually worked with one of my clients. He, he imported coffee from Thailand, roasted it here and turned around and you know, used that money to support three orphanages over there. Perfect coffee because it has a coffee with a cause, right? Um, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of Black Rifle coffee which is made by the, the veterans. I don't like the weak stuff. I like the murdered out stuff that's, that's <laughs> dark. Um, yeah. also, also, when I worked in IT, you, you drink a lot of coffee. And I worked corporate IT for many, many years. And a period of that time, it was a bunch of ex-Marines where you didn't wash the coffee pot or unless you wanted to you know, put your life at risk because that's just the way that they made their coffee is that you're so used to full-flavored, full-body coffee. Um, up until a couple of years ago, I was a caffeine addict where it was not unusual for me to drink a pot of two a day um, or some other caffeine substitute. Now, as I'm getting a little older, caffeine has a reverse effect where it actually puts me to sleep, <laughs> which <laughs> is which uh, is unfortunate. And yeah. it's weird because I can I can drink it all the way up into bedtime and, and you know go to go to sleep just fine. Um, but I do have like I have well I've got a coffee cup and I've got caffeine chewable sitting on my desk pretty much all day long because I still am addicted to the notion of it, even though it probably is, you know, making me tired. But I, I, I do like, um, I've had coffee from, I won't say every country, but a lot of them uh, over the years. And 
and there's and I won't say that there, you know there's a particular one that's my favorite necessarily, but I do like ones that are usually those obscure little farms that somebody just found a perfect way to do it that you won't find on the shelf and you have to special order it and it takes just six weeks to get here because it came from the other side of the world. But I mean, those are really the ones that I guess I I have enjoyed more so than like I said the grocery store brands. Yeah, we have a friend who brews um, coffee. He's now located out of Michigan. He was in Ohio for a while, but his coffee company is, it's called Viking Coffee. And he has this one particular blend that's called Old Man String, which is by far my favorite. But I think you just, we just got a new blend, didn't you, last week? Yeah. Which which one did you get? Um, Do you remember? It's after a Metallica yeah, song. Yeah, it's called And Coffee for All. <laughs> nice. And, and just How is it? I haven't tried it yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Really great coffee, though. I really enjoy his different blends that he has and um, love that. Uh, like supporting him, but love it. His coffee is absolutely delicious. So, all right. And what was the brand? I'm sorry. It's called Viking Coffee Company. Okay. Um, all right. Um, can you, Charles, tell our listeners how they can find you? Um, sure. You can visit us online, uh, heartwireddigital.com, or we're on pretty much every social media app out there, Heartwired Digital of some way, shape, or form. Um, they are not all uniform, unfortunately, but they are pretty pretty easy to find. Yeah, ours aren't all uniform either, so we <laughs> get that. So thank you so much for coming on the show today, and thank you to all of our listeners. And you, all the ways you can find Charles will be listed in our show notes. And you can connect with us on our social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we have a YouTube channel. Check that out. All of those links are on our website, and everything else you need to know is on sbpace.com. Subscribe to our podcast. You can subscribe on whatever app you're using to listen to the podcast. And while you're out there, like us and give us a review. We just love feedback so much. And you can reach uh, out to us about topics. If you want to be on the show, you can also reach out to us about that as well. And while you're checking out our website, link over to our book to buy it. It's called S. Uh, no, it's not. It's called <laughs> Seriously Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. It's number one seller and best uh, bestseller on Amazon. There's a digital workbook download, and if you have already purchased it, please like it and give us a review. That was rough, but you got that through was. it. I got I got all the words. Maybe not the right order. <laughs> nice job. I'm Julie, and I'm Corey, and this was Biz Quick helping small businesses across. America.